Blog Talk Radio. I'm Robert Rogers, and you have just connected to Parkinson's Recovery. I've been doing this internet radio show now for a number of years. It is customary for me to be the host, which means that I'm the one who does the asking of the questions. The guest, then, is the person who answers the questions. Last week, Sherry Edwards, who's been a guest on my show now several times, Sherry is from Sound Health Options, asked me to be a guest on her radio show. So I served as a guest last Sunday, and as it evolved over the course of the hour, it was clear that there was rich and helpful information that really came from Sherry as well as myself that would be helpful to convey to everyone through my own regular radio show. I'm then going to air that particular show on my show today. It puts me in a position of having to answer questions. I uh, She asked me a number of personal questions about how I came to do what I'm doing. So I'm talking uh, about some topics that I customarily don't even bother to talk about because my role, of course, as a host and as the founder of Parkinson's Recovery is to provide support and information and resources to anyone who currently experiences the symptoms of Parkinson's. So talking about myself is not really conducive to supporting that particular mission. But that's what happened. I'm the guest, so I'm answering the questions that she uh, essentially has asked me. The theme of the show, as it turns out, is quite interesting. The theme is that Parkinson's is what we call now a garbage can diagnosis, which means that the factors which contribute to the neurological symptoms that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's are many-fold. There's a lot going on there that can contribute to these neurological disturbances. That's what we talk about during the show, both myself as well as Sherry Edwards. What I'm going to now do is see if I can um, successfully play that particular show for you during my show today. This is November 13, 2011. We're being brought to you by the Center for um, Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. I'm your host, Sherry Edwards, here along with Dr. Robert Rogers, and it's going to be an exciting show. I have been on his show, and we never get enough time to talk, so he's going to get to do all the talking today as we talk about his radio program and his new book, about Pioneers of Recovery. His show is Parkinson's Recovery, and he's going to tell us how he got into doing the show and what he hopes to accomplish with it. We are uh, broadcasting, video broadcasting, so if you want to watch the show at the same time, you're welcome to do that. You can go to our site, soundhealthoptions.com, and look at radio. There on the top right below the scroll bar, 
and follow the links radio and you'll find it. Just join us and you can watch what's going on. Or most of what we're going to be doing today is showing Dr. Rogers' website and his new book and the people he works with. So you could also go to Parkinson's, P-A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S, parkinsonsrecovery.com. And for those who are with us uh, online, you are looking at Dr. Rogers and his staff, and he's going to explain that in just a few minutes. We are very, very honored to have him on the show and honored to have you with us here on Blog Talk Radio. If you are calling in or want to talk to Dr. Rogers, if you have a question, just raise your hand or somehow let us know uh, what is going on. And we do have a caller at 3840, but their microphone is blued out. I'm not sure what that means. If they want to speak, I think they have to dial a certain thing on here. I don't know. But if you're with us on the video broadcast through uh, WebEx and you've joined us through our own uh, website, soundhealthoptions.com, just go down to the bottom of that participant list and raise your hand if you have a question. Dr. Rogers, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We are very honored. Sharon, it's a high honor for me to be able to be with you today. You have set us on a road here at uh, the Research Center that has just opened up so many avenues for people, and we're seeing miracles walk out of here. For most of you who uh, listen to the show regularly, you already know that we have a clinical side to what we do, and also an educational side. And don't for, don't let me forget to tell you about the free classes that we're doing. I'll write myself a note here um, so we can talk about that. And the, and the class that you, we're going to do with you in Cincinnati, right? We're, we'll talk about that. And our new book. We'll talk about that. There's so much here that we want to talk about. So this is great. I think somebody has on, it's Monica. She has on her um, microphone, so I'm hearing myself double now. That's what was making me stutter. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we do have somebody online, so I don't know if they're here to ask a question, but we will jump in and see if that's what they want here in a few minutes. Dr. Rogers, how did you get started in, and why did you get started in doing this radio show and writing books about Parkinson's? My journey uh, started actually at the point when my wife died unexpectedly in 1999. Uh, we loved each other very much, and uh, she was really a huge part of my life. Nanette had been telling me for actually a number of years before she died that I needed to find something else to do with my life. And I couldn't help but hear that voice over and over again after she died. I was a tenured professor at University of Kentucky. I had really what I thought was the job that I'd always wanted to have. I taught two or three classes at most a year. I taught only graduate students. Most of my students were PhD students. I did whatever research I wanted to do. 
it was a situation where the work involved teaching very small classes. So it was the ideal job for a professor. It is what I wanted to manifest, and it is what I had worked for many, many hard, long years to get the credentials to actually do the work. But the truth of the matter was I was really very unhappy. Uh, I would work on a study or a, a publication for sometimes eight years, Finally, it would be released. It would be published after I got through all the criticisms of the reviewers. And um, a handful of people would actually see that. And I really realized it's a lot of work for just a tiny bit of return and really felt as though I was not making any progress whatsoever and making any contribution to the world whatsoever, that all of my publications were just minor little twitches and my audience were really just individuals who were all academics themselves. So with that degree of unhappiness and profound grief over Nanette's death, I started to search for something else and wound up going to a healing school. It was called the Barbara Brennan School of Healing for my own healing, and that set me on a rather incredible journey of being able to identify all the trauma in my life, to clear out all the thought forms that were not in my best and highest good. So I really began to work on myself personally to be able to address all the issues that I had confronted throughout my life that I had simply ignored. I can vividly remember saying to other people, I've spent all my life bearing everything that happened to me, all the traumas in my life, and you're about to tell me I've got to go back and revisit all of that. Well, I didn't necessarily have to revisit it, but I did have to acknowledge it, honor it, and clear it out of my physical body. Now, with that work, I basically moved. I quit my job. I didn't retire. I said, I'm just not doing this anymore. Uh, they were quite wonderful. They allowed me to take off quite a bit of time from the university, um, and I was able to do all of this work. And I wound up meeting uh, Deborah uh, at the healing school, and we moved together here and to Olympia, Washington, and actually started doing healing work. I had gone to the school with no idea that what I was going to do is to actually do some healing work. And it was energy work. It was basically helping people release a lot of trauma and stress in their bodies. It was widely successful. Uh, Deborah and I both loved doing the work. But I got to a point where we were seeing many different kinds of people with many different kinds of conditions, and I had no particular expertise in any of them. And I really stopped one day and said, wait a minute, this is really not working for me. I really need to become a national expert on a particular condition. And the condition that was the obvious one to choose was Parkinson's. My mother had Parkinson's. She basically died from an overdose of taking way too many prescription medications, not just for Parkinson's but for many other conditions as well, of a stroke. And she was in a hospital for two months, comatose, uh, and she basically died. So she didn't need to die. Uh, she uh, became debilitated because of the uh, prescription meds and the complications that were associated with those. And so I stepped back and decided there had to be a different way for my mom. My uncle then developed Parkinson's due to a lot of stress in his life, and uh, he died uh, just uh, several years ago. So it's been a big part of my life. And I decided what I was going to do is just step back and focus my attention on 
that one particular condition, the neurological symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. This started in 2005, and we began working with a group in Portland, Oregon, a support group of individuals who were not taking medications and individuals who were looking for all sorts of options that they could consider that would help them get relief. So they had heard about our work. We went down and began actually doing a, a study where we did six different mini-treatments involving just 20 minutes of uh, a healing kind of an intervention. Three of us were actually doing it. And the results of that study showed, yes, my goodness, my heavens, it really does have a profound impact that people really can see a significant relief in their symptoms just from that minor intervention. And doing that work, we realized what the major factors were that were contributing to the symptoms and just working with individuals. And I decided, okay, obviously there's a huge picture here. Step back and said what I'm going to do is to step back in the skills that I had learned over the years of being a researcher and literally dive into this with the intent of figuring out what are, in fact, the causes that create the symptoms of Parkinson's. And then second, what are the treatments that people are discovering or making a huge difference in being able to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. And that just began to open up the door to meeting uh, Sherry Edwards and other remarkable and incredible individuals, people from all over the globe who either currently had the symptoms of Parkinson's or if they don't have symptoms of Parkinson's, people who are healthcare practitioners of one specialty or another who talk about what they're doing to help individuals get relief from their symptoms. And so when we started, the whole mission, the whole vision was to say, all right, it's obviously possible for people to get well. Let's begin to identify folks out there that are doing just that. When I started, there was only one person that I actually knew of who had accomplished that. His name is John Coleman. He's a naturopath doctor from Australia. And the coincidence was John had come out to uh, here in Washington and was offering a workshop uh, for people who currently had the symptoms of Parkinson's. So uh, I went and attended the workshop, met John, and was impressed that a lot of his ideas were similar to those that we had developed. And that gave me all the energy I need to say, all right, if there's one, there really have to be thousands and thousands of others that have figured this out as well. So that launched the journey, and that led to writing the books and doing uh, all sorts of other support services for people who currently have the symptoms of Parkinson's, emails, I answer questions, we have um, teleseminars, we do Parkinson's summits where people gather together and uh, talk about their experiences. We have a program for symptom tracking. And my love and joy is uh, doing the radio show where we have guests and interview those, and they talk about all the kinds of things that they're doing to uh, get relief from their symptoms. So it's come from uh, beginning of about five or six years ago uh, where the vision was set. And at this point now, things are beginning to develop very quickly with more and more people who are telling their stories of what they've done to actually recover. So the bottom line is, the whole big picture is to reverse that false template out there that Parkinson's is degenerative. It's not true, but clearly if people believe it's true, that is what will happen. So the whole idea is to regenerate and rejuvenate the individuals who currently experience neurological problems into realizing that there is another way. The body knows how to heal itself. 
it is important to take responsibility and to set the intention to figure it out for yourself. Nobody's going to do that for you. But once you do, miracles, in fact, do happen. Boy, so many questions you have brought up, and people are emailing me questions. And we have to keep in mind that people are listening to us live and watching us live, but also there are thousands of people who go back and listen to this show uh, as an archive. So we've been talking about Parkinson's recovery in your radio show, but we haven't mentioned how they could tune into that. Ah, you can to actually connect with the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. You can go to the main website. It's the portal to all the other websites. It's parkinsonsrecovery.com. So www. The word Parkinson's without an apostrophe joined together with the word recovery.com. And on that main simple website at the bottom, it says Blog Talk Radio. So all you have to do is to click on that link and it will take you to the radio show page where you will see show after show that has been aired. And you can download any of those shows. Listen to them at your computer. Download them to an MP3 player and listen to them while you exercise. There really have been remarkable individuals with incredible ideas and suggestions. So all of that is freely available. And, again, go to parkinsonsrecovery.com, and you'll see the link at the bottom of the main page. Well, it says, contact us, programs, resources, and about us. And we are looking at about us right now uh, and your staff and faculty. And what questions are beginning to come in. We have one from James. He says, taking a step backwards here, your life sounded ideal. Was it any one thing that caused your dissatisfaction? Or was it a cumulative, I'm at that point in my life now, I feel unhappy but really have no reason to? I think the real trigger actually was Nanette's death. Uh, she was holding me together in lots of different ways. I was spending all of my time and energy at work, and then my personal life really revolved around our children and uh, the kinds of things that she would create for us. And so when all of a sudden she was not there anymore, uh, I was literally adrift. Uh, I didn't know where to go or what to do, but I did know that I was profoundly unhappy with the academic work that I was doing. I did love to teach, uh, and I certainly got a lot of rewards from doing that work, and there, it did feel as though there were some contributions being made there. But it, there was a profound sense that I was really not following my soul's calling, that I wasn't doing in life what it was that I needed to be doing. And so there was this just persistent dissonance inside me, and that led to a search. I had no idea that it would lead here, but I did know that staying in academics was going to lead to a life of, quite frankly, disease. I'm pretty sure I would have gotten sick and I would not have been as healthy as I am today. So I really had to renew myself into a new vision of what I needed to do for the world. And I also, when I came in, I really had always felt as though I wanted to make a contribution. I wanted to do something meaningful. And at the point of 20 years in academics, it really felt like I wasn't there, I had not made it, and it wasn't going to happen if I stayed in academics. You have, uh, Phil, you're an educator, and you have an upcoming conference in Cincinnati. 
We do, Sherry, and we haven't actually set the date for that, but the vision is to do another Parkinson's Recovery Summit. We did one in March in Vancouver, Washington, that was a huge success, and so the idea is we convene uh, people together at one location. We invite practitioners such as yourself and many other individuals with many other different modalities to come and to offer their treatments to individuals who actually attend the summit. So the vision is to convene everybody together who has the intent to be able to figure out what they need to do to get profound uh, healing from symptoms associated with uh, diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And I likely will uh, schedule that for likely two or three days and we'll have certain group experiences, but mostly it will be an opportunity for individuals to meet incredible practitioners who will be doing, uh, offering lots of different modalities that people would not be able to otherwise take advantage of. Well, you and I have t- talked about a goal coming out of that conference and on, on the radio show, too, that we want to have at least one practitioner just for Parkinson's in every major city so that nobody has to drive more than 100 miles or so to see a practitioner that could help them. And so we have decided, uh, you and I together, to do a class for people who want, I guess, to take, to learn it and to take it back to their community. We offered the Parkinson's software for a long time to people, and many people downloaded it and learned to use it. I think, I'm not sure, because I'm never sure what's still up on YouTube, but I think we have a two-hour class there on how to use the Parkinson's uh, software. But in just doing the people that you have sent to us, we have learned that radiation is involved, that Lyme's disease is involved, that GMO foods and cell signaling and glutathione and peripheral neuropathy and so many other things besides this label of Parkinson's, how do you feel that conventional medicine, give them a grade, how how well or not well are they dealing with the idea of Parkinson's? Not well at all, unfortunately, and of course it depends on the factors that that are contributing to the neurological problems. There are a proportion of individuals, unfortunately it's pretty small, who are assisted by the particular medications that Western medicine currently has to offer for at least a short period of time. And some people have told me that it has uh, really saved their lives. But it is just an option. So the grade would depend on the factors that are contributing to the symptoms. So for some people, it would be a pretty good grade. For many other people, it would be a very poor grade. You know, we're talking a D or an F because it doesn't doesn't help at all. So I hear uh, phone calls. I have contact with many, many hundreds of individuals uh, who report back, I've really tried all of that, and it's just not helping. And, of course, the reason it's not helping is, as you've just described, chances are what traditional medicine is trying to treat has nothing to do with the real cause that's underpinning the neurological symptoms that the person is currently experiencing. So it really depends on the factors that are contributing to it. It is the case, I think, however, that the whole approach of allopathic medicine is actually very limiting. 
That is, the approach is to say, all right, what we've got to first do is figure out what's wrong with somebody. So we're going to do a lot of tests, and we're going to uh, rule out factors that may be alternative explanations of these neurological problems. So twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 later, the uh, physician goes back to the individual and says, well, we've done these tests, and we haven't found anything that's come up, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Now, that's really, uh, uh, as you've described it, Sherry, it's a garbage can diagnosis. It's um, not uh, grounded in any definitive test or theoretical logic. It's just, okay, we don't know what else it is, so we're going to call it Parkinson's. And when a person gets that diagnosis, then the physician has the legal authority to be able to prescribe certain kinds of medications. The problem is that that diagnosis is uh, uh, likely to be wrong. And as we know, that there's a very large proportion of individuals that are that are misdiagnosed. It's not because of the incompetence of the physicians. They're doing the best job they can. It's just that there is no definitive way to diagnose this thing called Parkinson's. So what you have to do is you get this label, you get this diagnosis, and then legally they can prescribe these medications. That puts you down a very narrow and limiting route. The allopathic medicine is simply one option. It's been around about 100 years. It helps some people a great deal. It saves some people's lives. But there are many, many other options that are available to individuals, some of which have been around for thousands and thousands of years. They've passed the test of time. So, so for a person... Uh, to just recognize who's having neurological problems, that label it has a connotation that can be replete with negativity. In other words, oh, no, oh, no, the doctor said I have Parkinson's. I know that's degenerative. I'm going to get worse and that I'm going to be in a nursing home soon. That negativity is going to lead to deteriorating future for that individual. So I think that in itself is not conducive to health and wellness. And unfortunately, we need to leave that work to the physicians. That's how they approach health and wellness. I think as individuals, it's just more, more healthy to say, well, okay, my body's got some neurological signals that I'm getting, and so what I've got to do is to just realize my body's giving me some information. I need to figure out what's going on, and then I can take action to remedy the symptoms that I'm currently experiencing. So stepping up to the plate, taking action to say, I'll take responsibility to figure this out for myself is really what people are doing who are able to reverse their symptoms. Well, that's also what we want to do in the classes of people who've been diagnosed with this. We had a, a Parkinson's diagnosis uh, in last week. Um, his hand was folding under, his arm was pulling in, he was dragging one leg, um, and the computer program said uh, he had a very, very high score on nerve degeneration. And when we finally got to the bottom of it, it was actually peripheral neuropathy that symptoms had manifested as Parkinson's. And we were able to help him release this um, tightness in his hands, help him walk better, and begin to restructure the nerve sheathing, which in his case fell back into his use of cholesterol. So we have found that uh, a sound that will return the sense of smell and we've done that for three or four people. So the more people we have in our database, the more people working on this and giving us data, the faster we can begin to categorize these people. 
you've recently written a wonderful book, and we're in it, a whole chapter about us, but it led us to looking at Parkinson's in terms of radiation poisoning. Can you talk about that for a bit? Yes. Uh, on a radio show that I did with uh, one of your uh, patient clients, uh, Marion Lewis, uh, she uh, recounted her own experience with uh, Parkinson's and her delightful discovery of your services, your clinic, and your approach for being able to diagnose and treat her symptoms. Miriam's situation was that she really had gotten to the point where she decided that was it, death was just around the corner, and she was really on a trip to uh, see her family for the last time to say goodbye. <laughs> she was in the car with her husband. She actually heard the radio show that I had aired with you, Sherry, where you were talking about this approach. And Miriam got the intuitive flash that she needed to go see you. And so she turned to her husband as they were on their travel to go out and see her family to say, you know, last four hours, and said, I want to go to this place. And so do you mind taking a 700-mile detour? <laughs> he said, sure, dear, I'll do anything. So off they went to go see you, and uh, your analysis uh, showed something rather fascinating. She had worked at a nuclear plant in Pennsylvania and had excessive uh, radiation exposure, and you were able to address that issue. And there were other issues, I think, for Miriam as well, as she describes during the show. So what we did with that particular show and um, and, and uh, nine other shows is to, to transcribe those shows. We then uh, rewrote and edited and documented everything that was discussed, and all of that information now is contained in the book that just came out uh, last week, Pioneers of Recovery. And how can people get a copy of that? The description of the book, all the questions that were asked and all the individuals that were interviewed are on the website, which is the title of the book. So if you simply can remember the title of the book, Pioneers of Recovery, that's the website. So www.pioneersofrecovery, those three words, joindogether.com. And what you'll see on that website are audios of each person who's featured in the book. So, Sherry, there's an audio of you with a, a, a brief uh, presentation. And each person is basically reflecting on the answer to the question, what would you say to somebody who's first been diagnosed with Parkinson's? So the pioneers that are featured in the book are individuals who experienced the symptoms of Parkinson's and found solutions of one type or another that enabled them to reverse the symptoms. And so they detail out exactly what they did. I chose the individuals to be featured in the book because each person's story is very different. And what you'll see is the solutions that each individual discovered are, are incredibly different from one another. So it really opens up the realization that just as you've been describing, Sherry, there are many, many different factors that contribute to these symptoms. And so what's important is a person begin to step back and say, okay, let's take a broader diagnostic look at what's really going on. That's one of the wonderful advantages, of course, of the voice analysis because that allows you to take this uh, broad-stroked uh, 
a look at what the imbalances are and to highlight what it is that may be a significant contributor of the symptoms. And that's, Sherry, of course, why we want to convene everybody near where your shop is in Cincinnati so that people can get a real sense of what it is that you do. They can have a voice analysis done for themselves to see if it's something that really calls to them. And then, again, uh, the agenda is not hidden. We'd like to be able to recruit a person from each state to be a representative to go through your training program so that they would be available to other individuals to provide these voice analyses to individuals who want to go that route. Not only to provide the services, but to train people in their state. So we have a phone number up here, 877-526-4646 to order, 877-526-4646. And they can get a paperback version or they can get a download version. That's right. Of all of this. So we're showing that to the people who are watching the video. We are showing that. And there's our chapter. Uh, There's Marion, who is making incredible recovery. She also had dystonia um, and allergies. So we've begun to put together a package of dystonia, spasticity, Parkinson's, methylation, how people use their resources, radiation, allergies. Allergies have been a big one uh, for people, particularly glutathione and the use of their minerals and cholesterol. And I noticed that you have a compounding pharmacist. Um, Yes. If we were to have people do a nutritional analysis, could your pharmacist, uh, individualized nutrition for them? Yes, yes. He's he's quite amazing. Uh, Randy Mincer had a compounding pharmacy for a number of years, and now he does consultations uh, for individuals and can make, you know, basically work with the uh, compounding pharmacy. He just actually sold to compound uh, uh, medications or supplements for people. Yeah, he's quite incredible. Randy's been instrumental for people in my audience who are interested in being able to wean off certain kinds of uh, medications. And he basically explains the way to do it is you have to reduce the dosage in little tiny steps. So if somebody's taking 100 milligrams, then as a compounding pharmacy, he can reduce that down to 95, let the person take that for a while, make sure there's no ramifications, and then he'll reduce it down to 90, et cetera, et cetera. And then he'll adjust it up or down depending on what the reactions are. And over time, he's able to help people wean off of medications that are really not helping them. In some of the cases that we've seen here, there's a component of dementia. And the commonality for that is choline, inositol, and B3, niacin. So if we could see these people and send them to Randy and say, this is what they need, that's an ideal situation because right now they're using two or three bottles coming from different places. They're not being monitored because I don't have that kind of expertise. But this seems like a marriage in heaven here for it, uh, us. Oh, sorry, that's that's a wonderful idea. And Randy knows about the quality of these uh, supplements as well. So he's the expert and would be able to formulate all of that. That's the magic of what these compounding pharmacists do is they're able to literally compound together 
these combinations. And so uh, I think we ought to just create a marriage here between what you're doing and what he's doing, and uh, I'm sure he would be enthralled to be able to work with you on that. That would be great. We're finding an incredible link between GMO foods and Parkinson's. And I have to sneeze, which is horrible, and I can't cut you off because nobody will hear you. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got it up on the screen now for people watching us, um, and we will send a copy to anyone who wants this. Just write to me at Sherry, S-H-A-R-R-Y, Sherry, on air, at gmail.com or go to our site sound health options any way you can to get in touch with us and I'll send you a copy of this article it's study finds link between GMOs and current health care crisis now we started this by looking at some of the grains in Australia where Monsanto has been allowed to take out or disturb taurine and glutathione and glutathione is one of the major issues that we see in Parkinson's uh, folks as their frequencies and also taurine, both of those, but particularly the uh, glutathione, deals with the ability of your minerals to talk to each other and send signals along each of the cells. And that seems to be the bottom line uh, of Parkinson's. That's where the issue is, but it manifests in so many other ways. So what do you think of our food supply now that I've, I've said this? There's also allergy to wheat and eggs and tetanus shots. and So our I don't think our health system, I don't think our food system, I don't think our water supply is conducive to good health. That's that was a for sure. Wide that's open question there. Oh, that's definitely the case. And, of course, toxins are huge for people with Parkinson's. Uh, typically, when I talk with somebody, they'll uh, say, well, what do you think uh, is causing my factors? And I'll just turn the question around, and I'll say, well, what's your hunch about it? And 100% of the time, the person will come back and say, well, of course, I don't know, but I'm wondering if exposure to Agent Orange when I was in Vietnam might have been a factor. So it is, yeah. it, it, Of course it is, yes. And so I think for most people, when they really look back on their lives, they can think of a time when, yeah, there was this incredible exposure I had as a photographer or as a person who went to war or as a mother who was using certain kinds of substances, you know, to protect my babies, whatever whatever it might have been. They'll typically realize, oh, right, there was that exposure. And, of course, the thought was, well, I've been able to, you know, I functioned okay, so I assume that it's uh, been cleared out. And, of course, the, the truth is, no, those toxins are still immersed into the tissues and the muscles and the bones, and there needs to be more work to be able to invite the body to release all those toxins. And then the other challenge of it is it's anything but a simple uh, issue. The toxins are in, in, inextricably related to the trauma that people experience. And so when there's a lot of trauma that's trapped at the cellular level in the body, what the body does, it's very smart, it hangs on to those toxins and heavy metals. It, it won't let them go because it tends to be a grounding influence on the body. With trauma, we want to leave our bodies, so the body says, all right, I've got to keep this person in here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep all of these heavy metals that have very low frequencies in the body because at least it's helping the person stay here on Earth. 
I am not really sure about what is going on with uh, our caller, but I'm going to check in just to see if they want to be on the air. So just hold on a second. Caller who's calling from number 3840, you're on the air. Do you have a question for Dr. Rogers? Oh, no, Sherry, I'm just listening to the class. I mean, to, okay. the, to the show. It's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Thank you. That was Tommy, one of our regular listeners, and the person who wrote our theme music that we go out and come in with. So uh, just checking in there. Dr. Rogers, one of the things that I haven't seen in the literature very often but is a constant in the people that we see uh, is, one, their sense of smell decreases and they can't turn over in bed, which which sounds like a strange thing, but that seems to be a commonality. And I noticed it because it happened to me. That was one of the very first symptoms. I couldn't use my stomach muscles to turn over in bed. So what are some of the symptoms of Parkinson's? If you think of making a list of the symptoms that are associated with any and all diseases, you would actually construct a list of the symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. It really is a frightening list of possibilities for people. So the symptoms can entail all sorts of motor function challenges. People, when they're walking, can all of a sudden freeze or stop suddenly and be unable to continue. It can entail small steps. It can entail tripping or falling. It can entail significant problems with balance, so a person is not able to stabilize themselves. They don't have that center of gravity in the right place in their bodies. It can entail depression, which is a significant challenge for people. It can entail pain. People can have excruciating pain throughout their body or sometimes in just one part or another. It can entail a lot of these restrictions in the body with hands that want to crumble up or toes that want to crumble up. It can be fungus, all sorts of fungus. It can be around toes or uh, various other body parts. Swallowing challenges can be significant for individuals with Parkinson's. A significant contributor, in fact, the top contributor to death for individuals who currently have diagnoses of Parkinson's is pneumonia. And a big reason for that is swallowing is a problem, so the food does not actually go down into the stomach. It gets kind of caught into the lungs. That creates bacterial infections, and then the person is not able to recover because their immune system is jeopardized. So swallowing can also be a significant problem. Staring is another, and that really is problematic for people where they're in a social situation and other people believe that uh, something, you know, they're, they're, they're not responsive, and so they get put off. It's just a, it's just a neurological uh, problem. It's not what they're feeling inside. It's just the way it appears outside. Then uh, uh, tremoring, of course, is one that's familiar to a lot of people where there can be shaking in the body of one side or another or both for, for that matter. So the, the list of issues is actually significant. Uh, fatigue is a big factor for individuals where the, the energy level is so low that they're not able to really function very well. So motor, motor challenges and difficulties are really probably at the top of challenges for people. But it's also the case that each and every individual who currently has a diagnosis of Parkinson's has a unique set of symptoms that are individualistic. They are idiosyncratic to them. 
And so what they'll discover is if they go into a situation where there are a lot of other people who also have similarly diagnoses of Parkinson's, what they're going to discover is what they're experiencing is very different from each and every person who's there. They may be having significant pain where other people are not. Uh, they may be having uh, mental challenges and, and being able to remember uh, various things, or, and another person is not. So the set of symptoms for each person is typically very, very unique. And that means, of course, that the kinds of things that they need to do to be able to uh, reverse those symptoms is typically going to be individualistic to that person. So when a person asks me, well, what should I do? Of course, the answer is, oh, my goodness, it just uh, it's, uh, it depends really on what's going on in your body and what the messages are that you're getting that your body's actually sending you. We are finding some commonalities in people with the freezing and the, and the dystonia that they have a receptor for glycine. Well, there are several receptors for glycine. But glycine comes into the body. The body has to recognize it and say, I want to send it over here. And there has to be a little door open, and the body accepts it and then uses it. The commonality for people with this freezing is the closing down of that glycine receptor because they have the tetanus virus in their body that's causing symptoms of lockjaw. There, and other things, uh, toxins like mercury in the system and poisoning them and closing down these receptors for GABA and the neurotransmitters and then the dopamine receptors. There are about 13 insulin receptors and 9 GABA receptors in the body. And all of those have to be closed down before you get something like uh, dystonia or insulin. We can, with the sound, teach you to open those receptors again. You certainly can't go buy one on the shelf at Walmart or over the grocery uh, counter. But this is one of the beauties of bioacoustics and being able to look at your body in terms of frequencies. Dr. Rogers and I have talked about looking at all of these different pairings of symptoms and where they're coming from and doing, a, I would think, a definitive book on this uh, garbage can Anybody who has that kind of symptom, let's call them Parkinson's, when it's really Lyme. We had one Parkinson's uh, woman come in here, and it was really Frederick's ataxia. That's when cousins marry too close, and it looks very much like MF, but a doctor had diagnosed her with Parkinson's. And once we antidoted the, the DNA, she was able to walk more straight and we didn't follow her up. She thought we were kind of nuts. Um, her doctor forced her here. Actually, the Bureau of Vocational Rehabilitation forced her to come to our doors, and she didn't really want to be here. But one of the things she said to me and one of the things we set up for people is, what do you want to do when you get well? And she said, I don't want to get well. My husband, Tony, died in a car accident. Uh, a couple of months ago, and I want to die and go to heaven with him. How do you combat this uh, lack of knowledge in the medical community and also this depression that comes with Parkinson's? Is there a chapter in your new book about this? You know, that's a serious 
challenge, especially for caretakers. I deal with a lot of individuals who actually are spouses or family members, daughters, etc., or sons of individuals who currently have these symptoms. And they're out there searching for what it is that they can do for their loved one. They talk with me, they buy the books, they listen to the radio shows, they get all these ideas and they feed them to the individual and say, look, Dad, look, Mom, um, you know, try this, try that, try this. The bottom line turns on the question of whether or not the symptoms are actually serving some particular uh, purpose for the individual. I think we just have to acknowledge that for some people, uh, the symptoms, for whatever reason, are addressing some need that they have, whatever that might be. And no, there's not really the will or the desire to get well. That's not really what they'd like to do. They don't want to get worse, but they don't really want to reverse the symptoms. Anyone then who steps in and tries to provide some assistance or help is going to discover that nothing they do is going to really have much impact at all, that the person really will resist all efforts to help. So for uh, a son, a daughter, a parent, or uh, whoever it might be, a friend who really wants to help, I think the first question to ask is, all right, let's just check in with this person that I love so much. What I need to honor their choice. What is it they really want to do for their life? And it's very possible that the answer is that the person actually is is at where they want to be at. And so you just have to honor whatever that choice might be. And then if the person is going to make a different choice, and that choice is to be able to get better, then the truth is that they will step up to the plate and figure it out for themselves. They're going to begin to listen to your shows, Sherry, and my shows, and read all sorts of other books and talk with people and figure it out for themselves. So once a person is ready, they'll be able to heal themselves, but it really has to come from them. No one else can actually do it for them. And I don't know of any other uh, approach than to honor whatever choice a person might make and to let them live their lives and however they want to live it. And we're noticing a combination here. We did a, um, a project for the Army on post-traumatic stress disorder that was associated with traumatic brain injury. And we found common uh, eight different substances that deal with depression and people's ability to uh, want to live and to want to be there. So more, in addition to emotions, we found nutrients. And they're associated with Parkinson's. Zinc is one of them, and that's one of the things that really deals with your sense of smell. Linolenic acid deals with the ability to use carnitine and uh, deal with joint stiffness. B3, cognitive development, we talked about the dementia part of Parkinson's, and calcium feeds the nerves. The second layer we looked at was magnesium, uh, a cell salt that helps the body communicate, Choline, one of the other factors for the dementia associated with this. B5 and B6, intimately involved with the tremors. And progesterone, which is um, a hormone, and I don't know quite how it's involved yet, but it's kind of a feel-good chemical or feel-good hormone. So this idea of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, that goes with depression and anxiety, this uh, just absolutely jumps over here and fits into the depression part of Parkinson's. 
So we need to add that to this repertoire that we're working with. Yes, indeed. Oh, that sounds like gorgeous work, Sherry. Uh, in your book, Pioneers of, well, thank you. In your book, Pioneers of Recovery, I think what makes it so good is that these are personal stories. And to me, if it works, use it. I don't care if it's standing on your head sucking your thumb with your toes in ice water. You know, if it works, <laughs> use it. That was a strange image. <laughs> but these are people's stories of what helped them. And it's so inspirational. So I want to let people know, go to Dr. Roger's site, Pioneers of Recovery. And it's not just because we're in here. There's lots of chapters of lots of different people about uh, helping with TMJ and realigning the spine with exercise because you're looking at the tremors. You're looking at C5, C6, T1, T2, even down to T6, so the vertebrae. And if you're having trouble walking um, and keeping the body together, then alignment of the two sides of the hip and looking at the nerve, looking at the spine is a really important part of this. And I see that you have that in your uh, people who are in your center and with cranial sacral, which is yes. which helps the body align everything, is yes. sending the nerves the right signal. This is really about the energy body feeding the muscles, feeding everything else, feeding the organs. So you get that energy body in in connection with itself and connection with other parts of the body, and I think the body begins to heal itself. Do you have uh, a clinic where people can come to you and see you there in Washington? Deborah sees people, uh, and I, I, I used to, but now I'm spending all of my time with the uh, writing and doing the research. Uh, I, I, I think we're getting so close to being able to figure out a lot of this sh stuff, Sherry, that I'm I'm really thinking that that's where my time needs to be spent. Uh, uh, Deborah Russell is, a, is an absolutely incredible healer, and she's the one who actually sees people who want to get some assistance uh, if they want to come here to Washington. We need to find somebody in your area that wants to train and uh, help support you. So if there's somebody in your area, we will try to help them uh, find a way to pay for class and be a support to you. I we will find we will find somebody. We definitely will. Uh, do you have any diet recommendations? This is a question from the audience. Any diet recommendations? Mainly, what to stay away from for people who suspect they might have Parkinson's. The first, the top of the list would be stay away from dairy. The uh, research shows the one definitive result of research for Parkinson's on three studies that were gorgeously designed is that dairy has a profound impact on these neurological symptoms. So just literally stop it. All dairy, ice cream, milk, you name it, stop eating uh, dairy. The second recommendation would be stop eating sugar. It's a huge neurotoxin. So there are lots of sugar substitutes, and it would be much better to use the sugar substitutes than to use the actual sugar. So look in the cupboard. If you've got that raw cane sugar, uh, get rid of it. Uh, give it to the mice. Give it to the, 
animals outside if you want, but uh, don't don't ingest that into your body because it's not going to be in your best uh, and, and, and highest good. Obviously, on the other end of the spectrum, things that you can put into your body, the best thing you can do is to eat live food. So without being precise about the actual vitamins or minerals your body needs is just to say the best thing you can do every day is to look at your plate and to ask the question, what colors are here? Because the colors of life are vibrant. And if the food on your plate is pretty bland in its color, there's not much life there. And so think about the possibility, okay, this meal I didn't do so great. How about the next meal I eat? Let me get some live food and actually eat that. That will make a huge difference over the long run to how a person is actually going to feel. There's a, there's, a final, there's a final suggestion I should make uh, that really is quite eloquent, offered by Dorette, who I've had on my show. She's a nutritional expert and does training sessions all over the world. I asked Dorette the question on my show, what would you recommend that people do that's most important? And she said, oh, I can tell you exactly what they need to do. When you finish taking a shower, take either coconut oil or hemp oil and simply put it on your skin. And uh, just do that every time you take a, a shower because it's it's giving your body food through your skin. Skin's the largest organ, and as it turns out, that coconut oil and that hemp oil is very soothing to the neurological system. So that little suggestion in terms of food is not what people typically would think. They think what you put in your mouth, but consider the possibility of putting that on your skin, and I think you'll be quite delighted that it will have a very positive and profound impact. I have three questions, and we only have uh, six minutes left. One person wants to know about aspartame. One person wants to know about free radical um, damage, and another about dentistry. And I want to say that in our uh, uh, work, we have found that milk and milk protein causes inflammation, and that's the real culprit, the, the inflammation that gets caused by these foods. But what about aspartame? Yeah, I don't do it. It's, uh, it, it's uh, I'd stay away from it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with that at all. Just there's something like six thousand foods now that have aspartame in them. That's right, right. It's kind of sad, Terry, because if you go into a grocery store and really consider what's there, there's not much live food in the grocery store these days, and even uh, food that's uh, veggies and fruits. Uh, they can oftentimes be transported uh, in ways that are not conducive to uh, organic supply. So the best thing you can do is really go to your local co-op or your, your farmer's market and begin to uh, purchase your food there grown by local uh, farmers. Um, the, the food in grocery stores is all processed. A lot of it's genetically modified. You've already described the horrible effects that can have by eating that. It's not required to be labeled in, on the product, so a lot of what you see in the boxes is actually uh, genetically modified food. And then they'll have the little thing that says natural ingredients. Well, geez, what is that? You know, that can be all sorts of toxins as well. So the best thing we can do uh, for the health of our bodies is to begin to be very serious about acquiring food that comes from reliable sources that are organic. What about root canals? Fillings, mercury. Is there a suggestion? 
that's a huge issue. So a uh, metal in a, in the teeth, uh, of course, can be like a leaking mercury thermometer. Uh, and, uh, there's a, there's a lot of dispute out there by different people about whether you should have those amalgams removed or not. Some people feel like if you remove them, you're gonna flood your body with more of those toxic materials. My personal feeling, and I, I'll just say, say, speaking personally, I had a lot of amalgams in my mouth, and right after I had a lot of dental work done when I was at the University of Texas, my hearing on one ear literally went down to zero. I, I was deaf in one ear, and the reason was because of the amalgams, the metals that were in my mouth. When I began to remove those, and it was years later before I realized what had actually happened, my hearing began to uh, be restored. So I know that the amalgams can have a huge impact that's negative and deleterious uh, on our bodies for lots of different reasons, not just neurological. There's also the proprioception issue and challenge. So people are having swallowing problems or motor coordination problems. It may be that one of the root causes is that the metal in the teeth creates proprioception interruptions. In other words, the mind to the muscle connection and the communication is disrupted. So, and, and just imagine, it's just like having a battery in your mouth. You're just creating all kind of electrical uh, new disturbances in your body. And so neurologically speaking, it can really wreak havoc on your body. So I, I personally had gotten all the amalgams in my mouth out. It, it, it cost a fortune and it took a, a while to do, but I, I'm, I got them out. There's, there's benign material in my teeth now. Uh, my swallowing is better. My hearing is almost back to normal. Uh, so a lot of the motor challenges I had with swallowing have been resolved just because I got the metals out of my, uh, of my teeth. I think everybody has to make their own choice about whether or not that's something that they want to do. But it does mean that in your mouth you've got these heavy metals. And we know that those heavy metals are disruptive to the neurological system. So I, I think the one thing I'd recommend is be very careful about what dentist you choose. A biological dentist is the best. There are people who are very careful about how they remove those metals in your teeth. Dentist will tell you, the American Dental Society will tell you, oh, they're safe. It's The amalgams are safe. It doesn't cause any problems. Um, but there's other research that suggests that's actually not true. So everyone has to make their own choice. My choice was to get those metals out for the purpose of eliminating the toxicity, but also to help the proprioception disruptors that, that, that I was experiencing. Yeah, they tell you they're not hurting anything, but they must go into a toxic waste dump when they take them out of your mouth. <laughs> right. What does that say? <laughs> Absolutely. For those of you who would like to be tested for mercury or like to be tested for radiation, which we know has a lot to do with uh, the health of your cell, you can join us on Happy Hour. We do vocal profiles right online. Our next one is going to be the 21st of November. You can go to our site, soundhealthoptions.com, and happy hour is a little postage stamp kind of thing. On the right-hand side, it gives you a link right there. And if you'll say, this is what I want to be tested for, we'll can, we can do it right on the air for you. If you can't join us on air, please go to our website. We do this for people all the time online. And I'm trying to think of what other things I need to say before we close because we only have a minute left. 
Uh, we are having a nutrition course on December 3rd. Please keep in touch with Dr. Rogers through his website. I'll put that up for you again. It is Robert at Parkinson's, that's with an S, recovery.com. You can call him toll-free at 877-526-4646. This has been great, Dr. Rogers. We need to do this again. People need to know more what these symptoms are because I think we could help stop them before it ever manifested into this disease that they call Parkinson's. Sherry, on behalf of the very large audience of individuals who currently experience symptoms of Parkinson's, I, I thank you for all the incredible work that you've done for so many individuals. It's been quite remarkable, and I must say, very exciting. Wow. Thank you. you know, one of the things that Dr. Um, Apsley said, John Apsley, who is trying to deal with this radiation poison from Fukushima, He's figured out a way that this works, and it's just incredible. He says that this work um, demonstrates the unifying field theory that defied Einstein, and it's people like you and your show that is helping us disseminate the information, and I love it. Thank you. Oh, I do, too. (laughs) It's just really quite exciting, and I look forward to working on the book with you, Sherry. I think we'll make uh, quite a huge contribution. And we hope to see a lot of people at that Cincinnati conference when we get that off the ground. Yes, yes, because it will give everyone a chance to see exactly what's involved, how it works, whether or not it's going to really help uh, them, and then they'll be able to make a choice, and they can just fold into your class that we can schedule right after the summit. Well, thank you for being here. We will certainly have you back. And thank you, audience, and thank you for all your questions and every all of these comments. Uh, We've got comments that said, great, great, great guest. This is a wonderful show. I will certainly recommend it to all my friends. So this is full of information for the people, and that's our goal. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Sherry. So I'm Robert Rogers, and you just heard a recording of a radio show that I aired on this past Sunday. The difference is you're probably accustomed to having me as the host where I ask the questions, but in this show, the roles were reversed. So instead of asking the questions, the questions were asked of me, and I impromptu uh, created answers to each one. The host was Sherry Edwards from Sound Health Options, who has been a guest on my show on a number of different occasions. We are renovating our newsletter, the Parkinson's Recovery Newsletter. It has come to my attention that a number of the emails that you have requested to be received have not been delivered as they were supposed to. I hire a company to do that and have concluded they're not doing a very good job. So I've hired a new autoresponder company. And their service is really quite a few notches higher than what I was using before. I'll be able to send out some audios as well as videos about the activities at Parkinson's Recovery. The mission and the purpose is to provide information, support, and resources to any and all persons who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. There are many, many resources out there available. The help that is available is quite incredible. So 
That's the news from Parkinson's Recovery. If you need to get in touch with me, you can always email me, Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, at parkinsonsrecovery.com, or our toll-free number is 877-526-4646. Be sure to sign up if you have not already done so to receive the free newsletters where you'll get connections and downloads of our quarterly magazine and lots of other useful and helpful information. I always give heads up on the radio shows as well in the newsletters. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show, that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.